Well, today we're here in our mini-series part two, the conclusion of our mini-series Mature, and we began last week with the bold confrontational statement that most of us should be more mature than we are. Most of us should be more mature than we are, that most of us in the church, most of us as Christians, we've been following Jesus long enough that by now we should be more like Jesus. We should be closer to Jesus. We should be thinking more like Jesus. We should respond more like Jesus than most of us do. And that is our measure of maturity, that when we talk about maturity, we're not just talking about growing up and getting more mature. We're talking about becoming more like Jesus because our standard of maturity, as we said last week, our standard of maturity is our Savior. To look like Jesus, think like Jesus, act like Jesus, love like Jesus, serve like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, respond like Jesus, have peace like Jesus, that's our standard of maturity. And as long as we have ways to go until we look more like Jesus, we have room to grow and become more mature. That the measure of maturity isn't in our church attendance, our small group involvement, our our, our daily you know, habits of spiritual disciplines. Although all of those things are great things and all of those can lead us toward maturity, those in and of themselves are not the marks of maturity. The mark of maturity is looking and acting and responding more and more and more and more like our Savior. In fact, you could say that those things, those those things that we just heard, those things are the marks of spirituality, but the measure of maturity is how closely we resemble our Savior. As Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature, mature in the Lord, measuring up, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, that our standard is of maturity is our Savior, that if we want to become mature, we have to become like Christ. And so last week we began saying that we should be, we should grow and grow and grow until we measure up to the standard that our Savior set for us. And specifically last week, we looked at the example of how Jesus grew. From Luke chapter 2, verse 52, we looked at the example of how Jesus grew, the ways that Jesus grew. And so I challenged all of us at the beginning of 2022 that we should grow like Jesus grew. We should grow in wisdom. We should grow physically healthier. We should grow spiritually in our relationship with God. And we should grow in our relationships with other people. That if we want to grow and become mature and become more and more like Jesus, one of the best things that we can do is follow the example of how Jesus grew and decide that in our lives, we are going to grow like Jesus grow. Not just to become more like Jesus, but also to grow in the ways that Jesus grew so that we can become more like Jesus. Now, Picking up just a little bit later in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, the author of Hebrews had one more specific thing they wanted their audience to grasp and to grow in as they followed the example that Jesus set for all of us. Here's the specific challenge that they wrote a few verses later, starting in verse 9. They said this, Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, even even though we've called you dull, and even though we've called you infantile, and even though we've called you babies, and even though we've said you're not ready for all this stuff, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Even though we've just called you dull, we don't think you're really dull. Even though we've just called you infants, we don't think you're really infantile. Even though we, you know, we don't think this really applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. We are confident that you, that you, that you listening right now were meant for better things, things that come with salvation. In other words, we are confident that you are not meant to stay dull, not meant to stay immature, not meant to stay infantile in the way you follow Jesus. In fact, this is the author of Hebrews saying, 
I am confident that you can and that you will become mature. I am confident that you are not meant to stay immature, but you can become mature, that you will become mature if you're dedicated to putting in practice the challenge that I'm about to give in the next portion of this verse. And so they give the challenge in the next portion of this verse. Our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that you, what you hope for will come true. Our great desire, let me read it one more time. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. The greatest desire of the author of Hebrews for their readers, for their audience, is that they would become mature as they continue to love others that they would become mature as they love, that love would make them more mature, that they would become mature as they love. Interesting, right? And if that's not interesting enough, the author of Hebrews gives a really specific promise after that that connects back to their original statement about how to become mature and how to avoid immaturity. The challenge is them to keep on loving as long as they're alive and then says this, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Interesting. Then, in other words, if you love, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. This is an incredible promise. Like this is this is something we should actually we should sit up and pay attention to. The author of Hebrews gives a conditional, an if then. If you, then you will. If you do this, you will experience this statement. If you grow in the way that you love others as long as you live and as long as you follow Christ, you will not become spiritually dull or indifferent, in which is an interesting thing. That like that he's saying, like, right now you are spiritually dull. Right now you are spiritually an infant. Right now you are indifferent. But I want you to grow and to become mature. But if you don't become mature, you will you will know things about Jesus. You will believe things about Jesus. You will show up at a church. You'll show up at a small group. But on the other side of it, you will be spiritually dull and you will be indifferent. Here's what he's saying. The key to staying sharp spiritually is to grow in love. The key to staying sharp spiritually is to grow in love. That none of us want to live a life where we're spiritually dull, where we're spiritually indifferent, where we're spiritually infantile, where we're spiritually immature. None of us want that for ourselves. And the author of Hebrews says, if since none of you want that, here's the key to avoiding that. The key to staying sharp spiritually, the key to staying sharp spiritually is to grow in love. Which means the opposite is true as well. You cannot stay spiritually sharp without growing in love. That the way to become dull, the way to become indifferent, the way to be a Christian for a long time without making much of a difference in your life is to make it all about classes and information and habits and attendance without ever challenging yourself and without ever being challenged to grow in the way that you love other people. And so here's the here's the the you know kind of almost bottom line right at the top of the message today. The way to keep growing toward maturity is to grow the way we love. The key to the way to keep growing toward maturity is to grow the way we love 
other people. This is the game changer in becoming mature. This is the way to grow in the way we measure up to the standard that our Savior set for us because the standard that he set for us was full of love. Love is the way. Love is the move. Love is the next step. Whatever, Wherever you find yourself, the next step for you is to grow in the way that you love. That as much as we should grow in wisdom and grow healthier and grow spiritually and grow relationally, if we're not careful, we can do all of those things things and it will make our lives better, but it will not make our lives more like Jesus. Because Jesus set for us an example of love that we are all called to follow. And if he's our standard, if our savior is our standard, then love is the standard and loving the way that Jesus loves is the standard. And until we love like Jesus, we can take a next step and a next step and a next step to grow the way that we love so that we can actually become mature and become more like Jesus. In other words, to say this, to become more like Jesus, you have to become more loving. You have to become more loving. And in case, and in case you think, well, that's a big leap to take that from one, you know, from that one verse in Hebrews, um, I, I would like us to look at just the, the words of a few more people that maybe mattered in, in, in the course of the New Testament, in the course of the Gospels. John, John, the disciple that Jesus loved, wrote this in his letter, 1 John chapter 3. He said this, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves this is the proof. It proves that we have passed from death to life. In other words, if we're claiming that we've passed to death, from death to life, there needs to be some proof in our lives that we have passed from death to life, that Jesus has brought about change in us. And the proof of that is the way that we love each other. But a person who has no love is still dead. We know, we know. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. To follow Jesus, in other words, to follow Jesus means we have to follow his example of selfless love. And John wrote that following Jesus and being a person of love proves to those around us that our lives have been changed and transformed and that we have been made new, that we have gone from a kingdom of death to a kingdom of life, that love is the proof and the defining mark of a Jesus follower. And so we have to grow in our love. If we're to look more like Jesus, we have to grow in our ability to love that. Paul then, who wrote, whose life was drastically changed after an encounter with the risen Jesus, wrote these two incredible passages of scripture, what he prayed specifically for people that he had led to faith. First in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he wrote this, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. More than anything, he would say, I pray that your love would grow. Paul prayed for the Thessalonian church. He said, I pray that your love would grow, that your love would become more mature, that your love for those in the community of faith would grow, that you would love each other well, and that your love for all people everywhere would grow as well. This was what Paul prayed for the church, that they would know Jesus, and as they know Jesus, it would cause them to love them the, love each other well, and it would cause them to love their world well. It would cause them to love well. And then, and then he wrote this incredibly interesting follow-up kind of promise, just like in Hebrews. He said this, may he as a result 
Make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Again, this is a pretty fun promise. As a result, meaning as your love grows, the result will be this, that God will make your heart strong, that your life will be blameless because who can blame the person that's all, that's being so loving, that's growing in the way they love other people, and you will be holy as you stand before God again. If you, then, if you grow in love, then your heart will become strong. You'll be able to face the, 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 the difficult moments of life better because your heart will be strong. You will, you will be blameless as you stand before people. You have a clear conscience as you stand before people. You have a clean conscience as you stand before God. As, you'll be able to be holy as you stand before God. If you grow your love for others, all of this happens as a result. And then Paul wrote another passage like this in his letter to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 1, starting in verse 9, he said this, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Paul prayed once again for this church, a different church than the one in in Thessalonica. He prayed for the church in Philippi. He said, I pray that your love will grow to overflow out of your life, that your love will not just be something that you feel inwardly, but it will be something that overflows outwardly. And Paul lets us know why he's praying that. He wants our love to grow and overflow so that we will know what matters most. I mean, Paul didn't write this in English, so he didn't write it with that poet, with that kind of poetic and that kind of rap you know, feel to it. It didn't write with all the, with all the rhyming in there, but he did. But but he did because I think God wanted you to know this: that God wants our love to grow and to overflow, so that we will know what matters most. Like that's what God wants for you. That's what Paul wanted for you. That's what the author of Hebrews wanted for you. That's what John wanted for you. That our love would grow, and it wouldn't just be inwardly. It wouldn't just be a feeling thing, but it would be something that comes. out out of us so that we will know and experience what matters most. So the author of Hebrews wants our love to grow. John wants our love to grow. Paul wants our love to grow. And there's one more person who challenged the way that we would love. His name was Jesus. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus at the, as, at the Last Supper is talking to his disciples and challenging them one final time. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Matter of fact, would you type right now in the chat bar, would you, tap, would you type commandment? Or would you say out loud wherever you are, commandment on the count of three, ready? One, two, three, commandment. Not idea, not suggestion, not option, not, hey, if you get around to it, if not, not, hey, if you get the time to go about this. This is a commandment. This is something that if you're following me, you better do. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, again, this is where John got it. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. You should love each other. And see, Jesus knew that our love would need to grow to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish in the world through the church, that his followers' love would need to grow, that to follow him, every one of his disciples would have to expand the way that they love 
others. And so he set an example of selfless, sacrificial, servant-hearted, action-oriented love. And then he presented a high calling for us to love like he loved. This is so beautiful what Jesus did. Jesus set the standard so that we could have a target to live up to when he called us there. He set the standard and he called us to follow. He set the example and he called us to follow. He set the standard knowing that we may never get there, but he said, this is where you're supposed to go. This is where you're supposed to live. If you want to follow me, follow me in the way that I have loved you. Jesus knew that we would have to follow his lead in order to live up to his standard. Jesus knew that we would have to follow his lead in order to live up to his standard. That if the command, that if it was just simply a command and a call to grow in love, we would sit around forever and debate about what love looks like and how to grow. And we would parse Greek words and like, well, what does it mean to love? And what is, which kind of love are we talking about? And all of that stuff and how to grow and all of that. And we would, we would do that forever and we wouldn't actually grow in love. And so Jesus decided to skip all of that for us. He said, I am the standard. The way that I've loved you is the standard. And until you're loving like that, you have room to grow in the way that you love one another and in the way that you love others for me. It's time to grow in love and to love others like I have loved you. And see, here's the thing. It's not recorded in scripture, but I would imagine in that moment when Jesus said, love as I have loved you, every one of Jesus' disciples present at the Last Supper had an internal replay of the ways that Jesus had loved them. Matthew probably pictured the day where Jesus stopped at his tax collector's booth. And, and, and while Jesus knew everything that he knew about tax collectors, and while Jesus knew everything that he, pro- that he probably knew and was true about Matthew, Jesus never once brought it up and said, hey, you're living in a life of filth. You're living in a life of sin. You're living all, like, he never did that. He just simply said, hey, come follow me. And, it never, and, 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 and when Matthew got up, he became a new person who was following Jesus. I think Matthew thought, like, wait, wait, wait. that's how he loved me. That's how he loved me. Andrew probably pictured the day that someone told him about Jesus and Andrew's first response was, has anything good ever come from the place that Jesus came from? And, 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 and Jesus loved him despite his attitude. I think, I think Peter probably remembered the, the moment that he had tried to walk on water and he actually accomplished it for a little bit, but then he took his eyes off of Jesus and he, and, and, and he, and he fell and he fell away. And, and, and that Jesus lifted him up. He lifted him up, up out of the water. I think he remembered that moment, the way that Jesus loved him with extended a hand in his moment of need, even, even though he lacked faith that he's extended a moment in, in, in that moment. I think all the disciples remembered seconds earlier when they were arguing about who was the greatest among them and the actual greatest among them humbled himself and washed their feet. They all remembered their failings and remembered the goodness of Jesus and the grace and the patience that he had with them. And they thought, wait, 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 wait. We're supposed to love like that? We're supposed to love each other like that? We're supposed to love the rest of the people in the entire world like that? Like that's, that's what we're called to? Is that even possible? Like, is that, is that even possible if you're not Jesus? Jesus knew that if we were going to live up to his standard to truly grow in real love, we would need his example as our North Star, as our guiding light, as the goal, as the target, as the thing that we strive toward every single day, that we are called to grow in love and to grow in love by following the example that our Savior set for us. See, the author of Hebrews wants our love to grow. 
John wants your love to grow. Paul wants your love to grow. Jesus set a high standard of love that you would grow toward and then called you to grow toward that. It is abundantly clear that to follow Jesus, to grow toward becoming more and more like Jesus and growing toward maturity in him, we have to grow in the way that we love. To read a reworded version of that passage from Philippians, I really love the way the message paraphrase puts it. This is our goal from Philippians chapter 1. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but love well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your, so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush that it's more than a feeling, that it actually is with your heart and your mind. You live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. I pray that you won't just love much, but that you'll also love well. I pray that you'll love with your heart, but also with your mind. I pray that you'll love with your hands and with your feet. And I pray that God will get all of the glory because you're ultimately following the example Jesus set for you. We hear that and we read these challenging verses and we go, wait, wait, wait. can love become more mature? Can love actually grow to become more mature? And can love make a person become? Like, is, like is, that, is that really a thing? Can love actually make a person become mature? And, and because, our, because here's what, what, we, what we know from our experience in life. Our experience tends to be that as we grow up and we grow older, we don't naturally grow more loving. We grow more grumpy, right? We grow more selfish. We grow more uh, irritable. We grow less patient with other people. Our love tends to not grow. Our selfishness tends to grow. But So is it possible for love over the course of a lifetime? Is it possible that as long as we live that we would grow in love? Is that possible? And I, and I, and I, I, would, I would answer that those two questions questions with, with two examples from the way from the way we love and the way that we the, the way that we experience love here on earth the first one uh, is, is simply this for those of you who have been together with the same person for over 10 years let me ask you this question does your love for your spouse look the same way it did when you first got together chances are it doesn't. Let me tell you what it looked like at, at the beginning. Chances are at the beginning of your romance, it was cute texts, or if it was a little bit longer ago, it was, it was cute phone calls. It was flowers. It was talking on the phone until someone fell asleep. It was dressing up and spending tons of time on your hair and makeup so that you would look perfect. And here's what you most likely know. After 10 years together or 20 years together or 30 years together, it probably doesn't look like that anymore, right? Here's, here's the thing. Ladies, after 20 years with your man, you may still spend a lot of time on your hair and makeup, but let's be honest, it ain't for him anymore. It ain't for your man. It's for you and it's to impress the other ladies that you spend time with. That's, that's who it's for. It doesn't look the same anymore. It doesn't look the same after 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. It's not, it's not the cuteness. It's not the flirtatiousness. Probably. It, it, it probably doesn't involve a lot of that same stuff. But here's what it looks like now. It looks like letting your spouse pick, top, pick the toppings on pizza, even though you know that they will pick toppings that you don't like. That's love. That's love. It means that you that you you take out the trash without complaining, even though you've no, you know that you've taken out the last eight trashes, and it's there. It's definitely their turn, but you're not going to complain. That's 
love. It means that when the kids flush something ridiculous down the toilet and the toilet needs to be plunged and you know that your spouse could do it, but you know that your spouse also hates the thought of accidentally touching any toilet water, that you go and you plunge the toilet and you and you figure things out that that's what love looks like and the question that we would ask is simply this over the course of time does that mean that you love in different ways absolutely it doesn't look the same as the as the as the cutesiness and the flirtatiousness and all the stuff and all the tinglies that you have at the beginning what it looks like is a love that has become more mature a love that is not that is not dependent on feelings but a love that is choosing to be love and to put love in action every single moment of every single day, that love is a choice, that love has become more mature, that love has grown and love has become more mature. Love has become something more mature than it was at the beginning. Love has become something that not only is sustainable, but can sustain a relationship. Thank God that love can grow and that love can become more mature, that we can be more mature in the way that we love. So to answer the first question, can love actually grow and can love become more mature? Absolutely. To answer that second, the second question, can growing love actually make a person more mature? The answer to that is absolutely. And I'm going to talk to the guys listening here for a second because I think this probably works toward guys more often than it works toward the ladies. But some of you ladies, you've been at the center of this story as well. Guys, some of you, you fell in love with a lady. You fell in love with a lady and she was everything that you hoped for, everything that you dreamed of. And at the same time, you were not what her parents had dreamed of and you were not what her parents had hoped for. Lesbian was like, you were in love, but you didn't seem like someone who could provide. You had a wild streak. Maybe you had a ponytail. Maybe you had a couple tattoos. Maybe you had an earring that they didn't. I mean, maybe you had a motorcycle and they didn't like people who had a motorcycle. You didn't seem like someone who could provide. You seemed like someone who was a wild card. You seemed like someone who was a little bit unpredictable. And for some of you, I know this happened because some of you have told me the stories of this. Their dad took you on a walk. Their, their daddy took you on a long walk one day and he told you that if you wanted to keep pursuing their daughter, you needed to grow up. And you want to know what you did when someone told you that if you wanted to be with the person that you love, that you needed to grow up, you grew up. You sold the motorcycle. You cut the ponytail. You got a haircut. You got a job. You stuck with the same job for two years because you needed to grow up in order to be with the one that you loved. You could say this, that your great love drove you to become more mature. Can love grow and become more mature? Absolutely. Can love make a person grow to become more mature? Absolutely. To put it this way, love can grow to be more mature and growing love can make a person grow to become more mature. And so here's the thing. At the end of the day, as we talk about becoming more and more mature, at the start of 2022, here's the challenge that I think every single one of us should embrace. The key to becoming mature is growing in love. The key to becoming mature is growing in love. The key to following the standard that our Savior set for us, the key to living up to the maturity and the standard that our Savior set for us is to grow toward the love that He displayed for us. The key toward growing in the ways that Jesus grew and living Living the life that Jesus lived is to love in the way that Jesus loved. The key to becoming mature 
He is growing in love. Again, I think everything we talked about last week is incredibly important, but you can grow in wisdom and not become more like Jesus. You can grow physically healthier and not become more like Jesus. You can grow spiritually and not become more like Jesus and have a whole bunch of knowledge and information and have a bunch of you know, check marks and things that you've attended without actually becoming more like Jesus. And you can grow your relationships with other people without actually becoming more like Jesus, but you cannot grow in love and not become more like Jesus. And you can't grow in love without following the example of Jesus. If we want to become more mature, our life has to be defined by love and we have to grow in love. And so at the start of 2022, at the start of a new year, if there's three things that I could tell you to choose when it comes to the way that we would grow in love, here's three things that I would love to encourage you to pursue this year, to, to challenge the way that, we, that maybe you currently love, the way that we currently love and to grow into something better and stronger and more mature that more closely follows the example of our Savior, that we would choose action over intention. So many of us, we love really well with our intentions. We feel real, like we feel bad about things that are bad. We feel great about things that are great. But instead of sim simply having intentions to love, what if we put it into action? If we put it into action, in 1 John chapter 3, John wrote this. He said, Dear children, let's not love, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's not just merely have some intentions. Let us show the truth by our actions, by the things that we do. Let's choose action over intention. Let's choose sacrifice over surface. Let's choose sacrifice over surface. Let's love in a way, even when it costs you something. See, on the surface, the surface, we're like, oh, I love that person, and I feel bad for them, and I, and I, and I, and I feel, and I, like, I want to do something about it. Like, that's, that's a surface love. I want to do something, and that's not a bad place to be. But if we want to grow in the way we love, if we want to follow the way Jesus loved, we have to love not in just a way where we feel bad and we want to do something, but that we actually do and that we would do even when it costs us something. It is easy to care if you want to grow in the way that you love, you have to move past care to cost. And so the question is, will you love when it costs you some time? Will you love when it's inconvenient for you? Will you love when it costs you some time with your friends? Will you love when it costs you some time studying? Will you love when it costs that you have to leave work a little bit early to get home to be there for your spouse at a time of the day where it's the most difficult for them with the kids? Will you love in a way when it costs you something? Will you love when it costs? Because if we want to follow the example that Jesus set for us, he set an example of sacrificial love, not of surface love, not of love that felt bad and wanted to do something and cared deeply, but was willing to pay the cost, was willing to go to the cross, was willing to lay down his life, was willing to lay down at the cost of his life so that you could know your heavenly father. He was a sacrificial love. And so if we want to grow in the way we love in 2022, we move from surface to sacrificial love from surface love to sacrificial love. And then the third thing that I would encourage you to grow in is to choose long haul over short term. To choose long haul over short term. In other words, to say, I'm not just in this relationship. I'm not just in this service for a one-time thing. I'm not just in it for as long as it's easy for me and as long as it's convenient for me. I am in this for the long haul. I want to love for the long haul. I want to show love and, ser and serve in love and, and be compassionate in love and be patient with, with someone in love for the long haul. I'm not just in this for a short term, for a short-term thing to fix someone. 
I am in this for the long haul to love people the way Jesus loved us. And if Jesus just came to fix us, all he needed was to show up on the earth and snap his fingers. He wanted to love for the long haul, which is why his life was 33 years when, it all, when fixing us would have been a snap of his fingers which is why his public ministry was three and a half years when he could have just simply read a, wrote down a letter to tell us what God is like. He was in it for the long haul because the long haul is how life change really takes place and that's how love lasts and that's how love makes a difference when it's over the long haul. So if you want to grow in the way you love, you don't just show up in someone's life for a short term, you show up in their life for the long haul. Final thought is simply this, that growing in love is a choice, not a feeling. That growing love in love is a choice, not a feeling. You probably won't feel your way into doing any of that. Like, it won't ever feel good to sacrifice. That's what makes it a sacrifice. You probably won't ever feel like sticking with something for the long haul when it gets messy. It always feels easier to love with words than with actions. That's why you can't and won't feel your way into growing love for those around you. But you can choose that. You can choose all of that. And I can choose all of that. So at the beginning of this year, let's grow in love. Let's make the choice. Let's make the choice that this year we're going to grow in love, that I'm going to grow in love, that you're going to grow in love, that I'm going to take my next step, that if the next step can always be to grow in love, I want to take my next step. I want to take the small step and the small step. And at the end of the year, what you will find and what I will find is that if we have chosen action over intention, and if we've chosen sacrificial love over surface love, and if we've chosen long-haul love over short-term love, what we will find at the end of this year is that your life and my life will look more like Jesus. And in that, we will have become more mature because we'll be living up to the standard and the example that our Savior set for us. Let's become more mature. Let's live up to the standard that Jesus set for us. Let's become mature and let's grow in love together. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your grace and your love for us. Thank you for your mercy for us. Thank you for the example that Jesus set for us when it comes to love. God, that we don't have to figure out and parse Greek words and, and, and figure out how to, how to translate the things that he said. We just have to simply look to his example and love in the way that he loved his disciples, the way that he loved us, the way that you loved us when you sent him to the earth. God, thank you that we have his incredible, unfailing example to live up to, to see, to have as our North Star and our guiding light. So God, today I simply pray that you'd give us the wisdom to know what our next step is. God, as small as it may be, as big as it may be, help us to know what our next step is and help us to have the courage to take it. Help us to not be people who just simply feel more, but be people who do more. Help us to be people who move past the surface of wanting to do something, but to be people who actually put it into action and do something even when it costs us. God, and help us to be willing to not just invest in people and love people for the short term and to try to fix someone, but God, help us to love for the long haul because that's the way that you have loved us. So God, this year, help us to grow in love. Help us to become more mature as we follow the example that our Savior set for us. We love you. We trust you. Help us to follow you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.